You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Today's episode of the Live Different Podcast is sponsored by Under 30 Experiences, our travel company for young people. We take groups of 21 to 35-year-olds on awesome adventures all across the world. Um, We have trips to Brazil, Machu Picchu, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Belize. Um, We go deep into the rainforest. We go up to Iceland, to the glaciers and the volcanoes, Ireland, um, Bali, all, all sorts of different places across the world with awesome groups of young people. If you're sick and tired of sitting at home, sitting in front of your desk, waiting for your coworkers to stop going to the boring happy hour after work and drinking their lives away, and you're tired of all of your friends doing boring things at home, probably going to the same bar and doing the same old shit, come on Under 30 Experiences. This is a great commercial. Really like this one. There, It's a candid community, um, and we go and have a really good time. And uh, there's no egos, divas, or complainers allowed. So check out under30experiences.com and come travel with us. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Live Different podcast. My name is Matt Wilson. I don't know why I'm telling everybody what my name is, uh, but I guess if you didn't listen to the show before, well, here we are. And I am here with uh, Sean Ogle from Location 180. He helps people quit their jobs and start successful businesses, which is pretty awesome for you guys who are listening. And uh, Sean and I have followed each other for, geez, years now, I guess, uh, from under30ceo.com and and his site and uh, always just pinging each other back and forth every so often. So Sean, I am pumped to hear uh, exactly what you're up to about your businesses and hearing your story about how you've been able to travel the world and play golf and do things that you're passionate about and build community, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, Sean, welcome. Dude, thanks for having me. I'm excited for this. Hey, this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a while. Uh, I, we saw each other at World Domination Summit in Portland, Oregon, but that was maybe two years ago now, and you were actually helping produce the event, so you were, you were crazy, um, or at least, uh, at least you were quite busy at the time. Yeah, that's the one downside to that. When you're the guy putting on the event and you've got all these cool people and all of your friends that are coming to your hometown for a week, uh, you don't get to spend a whole lot of time with them, unfortunately. So um, you've done a lot of cool stuff with World Domination Summit, but I feel like every time everybody leaves and it's like, oh, we didn't even get a chance to catch up. So it's always kind of a bummer. Yeah, no, that's uh, well here. This this is the, the beauty of those kind of things is you're able to to make connections and put a name to a face, et cetera, and then we can sit and actually talk about some meaningful stuff one-on-one uh, and, and share it with other people. So I'm, I'm excited for this. Sean, I was just hoping that you could kind of kick off your story and just tell a little uh, bit more about what you're about, where you come from, and uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about your journey, I guess. 
Yeah. So basically I built a business where I teach people how to build small businesses that allow them to travel the world and to understand how that came about. You just need a little bit of background on me. I was like the most average middle-class white dude upbringing imaginable. Like I always knew exactly what was going to happen next. So when I graduated high school, I had known since eighth grade, I was going to go live with my best friend at the dorms at Oregon state university. I knew I wanted to study finance six months before I graduated. I got a job as a financial analyst for a small firm in Portland. And it was just one thing after another. I never had to make any tough decisions, but at the same time, I wasn't necessarily always doing the thing that I really kind of wanted to be doing. Um, so I started my job, my suit and tie, this was in July of 07. So we're at like the peak of the market and we all know what happens next over the course of the next couple of years, great recession hits, everybody's freaking out, everybody's miserable. Um, and I was the same way. It only took me a couple months in that job to realize my, my day job was not what I expected it to be. And for as cool as I thought I was for those first few months wearing a suit and tie, it got really old really quickly. Uh, especially here in Portland, Oregon, you know, I used to joke that I was the only person in the entire city that had to wear a suit and tie to work. Um, <laughs> so, so then we got to February of 09. The market is completely crashed. I'm going through my like quarter life crisis and I convinced my boss to allow me to use all of my vacation time for the year. And it took me months to convince him to let me do this. Um, but saved up all my vacation time and me and my best friend, we went down to Rio for carnival for two weeks. And while we were down there, just had the most unbelievable time. Like we danced in the carnival parade, uh, in the Sambadromo. We went hang gliding over the city. We went down to Iguazu Falls. We went up and stayed in a, a beach house in a Buzios, uh, which is kind of the Saint Tropez of South America. We just had the most like epic trip, um, imaginable. And, you know, it was on the very last day I was sitting on the beach and I was drinking a coconut and I was like, you know what? I've got to make a change in my life. I was like, this is, I want to be able to do more of this. And the path that I was on was not going to allow me to do that. So I come back home to, you know, rainy, just miserable Portland, Oregon. And I walk in the door and that first day back, my boss tells me that uh, I'm going to get a 20% pay cut because business was down. It was a really small company. It's like across the board, everyone's taking a 20% pay cut. Ooh. And that's when I knew that I needed to make a change. And so I ended up starting Location 180 a couple months after that. Um, you know, kind of wrote about the fact that I was clueless and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life and I had no idea where things were going. And six months later, I left my job and ended up moving to Thailand and uh, kind of started learning how to build a business from there. And that's, that's essentially how it all started. Sean, that, that's pretty awesome. And we have, uh, even though I never did sign myself up for the corporate route and the suit and tie route, I mean, I guess we're probably about the same age and we both graduated from school right around that, uh, that time that the uh, recession hit. And during that time, especially for them, I'm happy to be part of that class of graduates because... We needed to figure it out. I mean, if when everything was going down the tubes, people had to start businesses to actually pay their student debt and, and do these crazy things um, and, and live. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to hear that, that a lot of this came out of the recession. And I wanted to ask you, what was the first thing that you did? Because I, I can literally picture myself sitting on my mom's front porch uh, with Jared, my, my co-founder, and mm -hmm. Googling things like how to get followers on Twitter, right? Which is actually <laughs> not even so crazy because I, we all still do the same things, right? Like 
okay, new Snapchat comes out, and well, I guess maybe we're a little older than the, the young kids using Snapchat. And we're like, oh, how, you know, we still type in how to get followers on Snapchat, et cetera. Totally. But we, I knew absolutely nothing, and I'm willing to bet that you were probably in the same boat. So I was wondering what the first thing was you did to actually get started. Well, the very first thing I did is I got back from that trip, might have cried a couple nights, my, myself to sleep a couple nights because I was so miserable. Um, but there was a guy named Chris Gillibo. Um, you know, now he's New York Times bestselling author. He was the the original founder of the World Domination Summit, and I I stumbled across his blog, and I ended up I still remember the afternoon I read every single blog post he had written, and I was just like, this guy is doing exactly what I wanted to do. You know, he was on a quest. He was trying to, uh, you know, visit every country in the world by the time he was 35. He was an entrepreneur. He traveled. He did things on his own terms. And so I noticed that he had just moved to Portland. And so I sent him an email and said, you know, hey, um, I want to make a change. Um, you know, I'm ready to, to do the work, whatever that is. Is there any chance I can buy you a cup of coffee? And he agreed, and we ended up, you know, getting together. I had to lie to my boss and said I had a doctor's appointment and, uh, I went out and met him, and he was the one that encouraged me to start a blog. Um, and basically, he was like, you need something to hold yourself accountable for all of the changes you're talking about wanting to make. So I started the blog, and the very first thing I posted was my bucket list. So I wrote down all of the things I wanted to do in my life, and I published them on the site as my form of kind of public accountability. Um, so when it comes to the very first steps I took, it was reaching out to someone that was doing what I wanted to do. Um, getting advice from them and then following through on all the advice they said, because then a month later, um, I went back to Chris and I was like, all right, I've, I've done everything you said. I've got the blog going, I'm writing about it. I've published my list. Uh, now what? And he kind of became a, a little bit of a mentor to me in that way. That's, that's really cool. And I'd love to hear more, of course, um, when you dig more into your story and what you were able to learn from Chris Gillibu because I think a lot of people have either read their book, read his book, or should read his book. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about this theme of public accountability because I believe on your blog, uh, do you every year publish what worked for you or, or areas of improvement, et cetera? Is that where, I, did I see this? I know I saw your bucket list. Yeah, at the, at the end of every year, basically, you know, it changes a little bit each year, but I have a, a post where it's like, here's the things I rocked at and here's the things I sucked at. <laughs> um, and so every year I try and reflect on what went really well, what did I not do as good of a job with, and try and set some measurable goals for the next year based on, on those things. That, that's really cool. And, and do you think you could expand a little bit on how that has been able to, to help you with public accountability and also how you were able to muster the courage to talk? I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure when I was following your blog back in the day uh, with Location 180 that you were actually snapping pictures of, of the checks that you would receive from the blog and saying, hey, this is how much money I made this year and this is the credibility that, that I have. Um, with my membership site, et cetera. So could you talk a little bit more about your transparency? Yeah. So I was never one of the guys that did like the monthly income reports and I, I, I never snapped, you know, photos of the checks. I think I did have 
one post back in like 2011 where it was like, you know, here are the numbers. Here's what I, I'm going to make this year. Just because early on you're like, you know, I had a lot of haters. I had a lot of people that was like, look at you, you greedy, you know, millennial kid that basically, you know, had his great job and, you know, you, you shoved it back in their face and went off and did this thing. And a lot of people wanted me to fail and they thought I was going to fail. And so I did write that one post to kind of be like, Hey, look, this is working and it's not just working for me, but it's working for a lot of other people as well. Um, so I always try and be transparent about what I'm trying to do. Um, all of the courses, everything I've created is all based around things that I've done in my own life. You know, I never set out to be like, Oh, this would be a, a great thing for a course. This would totally sell. It was more like, Oh wow, I just did this and I have a lot of success with it. Maybe other people would be interested in it as well. Um, and so I try and just kind of take that mindset, you know, with, with transparency, I tell people, Hey, this worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. Maybe it won't, but you know, here's kind of a guide for you to, uh, kind of decide for yourself. Okay. I, I gotcha. And it's funny because I definitely did read that one post and then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, Sean snaps pictures of his check yeah. every time he's at the <laughs> bank, like Instagram balling out, like cash money. No, that's okay. That's definitely not you. I don't, I didn't actually think that was, uh, yeah, obviously that's a, that's a joke, but yeah, I definitely remember reading that one post about, okay, here's how I'm doing here. Here are my goals. And then, uh, because you do say at the end of the day, Hey, here's what, what works, uh, or Hey, here's what didn't. I wish I got to the gym a little bit more, or I appreciated, uh, I did some catch up on, on your blog, obviously. And I appreciated just hearing your story about, Hey, I got married and I thought, uh, is, does this mean all the adventure has to be over? But actually I visited X number of countries this year and we had a blast. Uh, so I really appreciate the transparency. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one of those things, writing those posts at the end of the year, it kind of helps me figure out what my own insecurities are and what my own recurring themes are. So, you know, I got married, I bought a house and I was terrified. I was like, man, like if all of a sudden, am I going to like not travel? Am I not going to have these adventures? And because I was able to, you know, reflect at the end of the year, realize that was a conscious concern of mine. That was when I was like, all right, like not going to let that happen. So now I've over the last, you know, year I've traveled even more than I was previously. You know, I'm traveling like on average four months out of the year. Um, it also helped me realize that, you know, over the course of the last three or four years of doing this, my biggest struggle is discipline and sitting down and doing the work or going to the gym or eating healthy and being disciplined with all of those things. So that was the one big takeaway I've had, uh, I had at the end of last year. So, um, I've declared 2016, the year of discipline where I'm really working hard to build up those positive habits, to build up those positive work routines, um, so that it doesn't take as much willpower to do it. And I'm not beating myself up to do it. Um, so I think that, you know, it's been really powerful just to see like, Hey, like this is going really well, keep doing this. But here's the things that over the last three years, you keep writing about these same things. Obviously it's a point of struggle for you. Obviously it's something difficult for you. So let's face that head on and uh, do something about it. And when you have the added accountability of putting it out there publicly, so you've got the readers that are encouraging you and people that are like, Hey, like I can either help you with this or I'm going to encourage you with this. You know, one of my readers is now my, my health coach and I have to like check in with them every day and tell them that I'm eating healthy and going to the gym. And it's, it's made a huge difference. Nice. I, I like the accountability tips there. And uh, I have a friend, uh, Rajiv Nathan, who's been on the podcast at, at least once, maybe twice. 
uh, from Idea Lemon, and uh, he talks about how he has these couple words that he just wants to rock this year, like his his mantra for the year, or however you want to put it. And uh, I liked that you said 2016 is the year of discipline, and I'd be curious how you were how you're going off after that. Okay, you have the health coach, it sounds like, and you have the public accountability where. You know, at the end of the day, everybody knows whether you, you failed or you succeeded, but I'm curious if you had any accountability tips for everybody. Yeah. So I think one for me, you know, having the coach, if for no other reason, I mean, he gives me some advice on do these workouts and things like that, but it, it really is all about accountability. And, you know, the toughest thing for me is I'll be at home for a couple of weeks. I'll make good progress. Then I'll go travel and everything goes out the window. So in particular on those trips to be like, okay, I still got to check in and he's going to ream me if I don't do this. Um, that motivates me. And I found that to be a really useful tool. Um, also, you know, going back farther in my life, you know, one of the things I left out about that kind of origin story of what I'm doing is that after we got back from Brazil, uh, my friend Ryan that I was with quit his job three, three weeks later and moved to Hawaii. And basically this was like, you know, March of 2009, he was going to plan to live, live in Hawaii until the end of the year. And he was going to go take a world trip in January of 2010. And probably three times a week, I talked to him on my lunch break and it's like, Hey man, what's going on? And he's like, ah, you know, I'm just sitting by the beach, just got done surfing, going to go do a, a helicopter cruise over Maui later, um, then working in the, the cabana shop at the, the hotel pool or whatever to make a little money. And basically talking to him and seeing that he was living the life that I wanted and he was making the changes to go have those adventures and have the travel uh, stories that I wanted, uh, that accountability was huge for me. So if you can find someone in your life that's, you know, doing either has similar goals for you as you, or is doing the things you want to do. And you can use them as a point of accountability. I found that to be huge, regardless of its health or fitness or business or whatever. Okay, Sean. So I didn't set this up this way on purpose, but uh, it has just now I've been asking you about accountability and now I'm thinking, oh yeah, duh, of course, this is what Sean does with your community location rebels. So could you tell everybody a little bit more about that and uh, really more about what they can learn by having a community, having a group that can keep uh, people accountable and a little bit in the way of strategies people that can implement? Yeah. So, so basically the reason I created Location Rebel, which is kind of my, my community, my course where I teach people how to build these small businesses was because I had, um, I'd kind of unknowingly gone through this three-step process in my life that I'd had success with. So, uh, the first step was I learned the relevant skills you need to be successful online. So I learned things like search engine optimization, WordPress, copywriting, social media for business, basic design, all of the things that I had to learn when I was starting location 180 and growing this blog. Um, and you know, to go along with that, I had the blog, which I could use as a training ground. So I could use that to test out all my skills. If I was trying to become better at SEO or if I was trying to become better at copywriting, I could tweak things on my site to see what was going to be the most effective. So after I learned those skills, I had the blog and kind of had that going. Um, I then freelanced one of those skills in order to build up my income and my confidence. So I started doing freelance SEO for, I did it for two to three years uh, to kind of help pay the bills as I was traveling, as I was growing the Location 180 
business and as I was figuring things out. And then finally, I started applying it to all the stuff that I really wanted to do. Um, I created a couple information products. I created a, a niche site that was all about photography uh, that brought in some passive income. I created a golf site that brought in some affiliate revenue. Um, and that's essentially, you know, kind of a few years later, I was like, man, this worked out pretty well. I'm going to put this course together and see if it works for other, other people. And so that's what Location Rebel teaches. It teaches you how to learn those skills, how to start making money um, by freelancing one of these skills that you excel at, and then how to take that confidence and that little bit of income you've got there and apply it to all the really fun, sexy kind of businesses. Um, and so now we've ended up, we've got over 1,500 members in over 40 different countries. Um, and the cool part about it is everybody that's in it has invested in themselves. They've all paid to be there. They're all working on it. And so in our forums, you there's all sorts of cool relationships that have been being built by people that are, you know, trying to hold themselves accountable and they want that accountability with people that are in the same situation as them. Um, there's something to be said for finding that person that's at the same point as you and working on that together and growing your businesses together. So you've got someone you can share, share in the successes with. And when you've got those really low points, you've got someone that can help you through it. No, that absolutely makes sense. And especially uh, having a business partner, uh, with myself, with Jared, it's just been, I mean, we've gone from, from flat broke and experienced all the ups and downs together. And uh, that having that partner, or I'm thinking about your buddy on the beach who was doing his thing and maybe you were still in your suit, or just having that extra bit of motivation where you're then talking through this with someone all the time because it's it's not just good enough to just to think about it or lock yourself in a room alone and try to produce this content. I mean, if you really want the the action to to kind of sink in, if you really want to live it, breathe it, eat it, right? As they say, if you ha if you're constantly surrounded by these types of people, you're always talking about um, it, you're always talking about okay, this is this is my goal, this is how I'm going to get there. I mean, I think it just makes so much more sense uh, as long as as long as you find the right people. Because if you're in business with something who someone who you don't. Uh, who you're not going to be in business with forever, et cetera, then obviously that comes with a whole nother string of, of issues. But uh, right. no, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I kind of keep saying is essentially what I, what I do is I'm a solopreneur. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to grow a gigantic team. I'm not trying to raise a bunch of money. Um, you know, I run the business myself. I've got a community manager, Liz, who's absolutely amazing. But other than that, uh, that's it. And then, you know, hire, you know, the freelance developer writer for the occasional thing. Um, but what I say is there's nothing, there's nothing solo about being a solopreneur. If you want to have success with it, you've got to surround yourself with that supportive community. And you've got to find those people you can lean on for support, accountability, because those, you know, I've seen it over and over and over again. The people that are successful are the people that have found that supportive community. That's, that's awesome. Uh, Sean, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the, uh, it's almost become a dirty word with lifestyle design these days, or maybe it got, maybe it got worn out or I, I'm not sure, but a lot of people are, are polarized over it. I, I feel these days, um, I'm curious as to what your take is on it. And, uh, you've mentioned a couple things in here. Well, 
you just have enough experience now where we can kind of see your life path as, you know, you quit the corporate thing and you went and traveled and moved to Thailand. Uh, now you've bought a home and got married uh, there in Oregon and you talked about that you want to continue to be a, a solo solopreneur uh, instead of, you know, growing a big company. And so I'm, I'm curious as to your take on the subject and, and why you've made some of the decisions as you have and, and uh, what we can learn from them. Well, I mean, you know, the term lifestyle design, it's, it's, you know, gotten a little bit of a bad rap. It's kind of cliche, you know, no one really knows what it means. I mean, we're all designers of our own life. You know, we make the choices, we do the things we want to do and whatever. Um, you know, for me, I figured out over the last, you know, six or seven years, I've just kind of figured out the things I want to do, and I'm trying to build my life and business around that. Um, you know, I don't necessarily need to have millions and millions and millions of dollars. You know, sure, it'd be nice to be, you know, successful. It'd be great to own a Ferrari or something one day, but um, I don't necessarily have to have that. I found that the freedom for me and being able to do what I want when I want is is more important than that. And I found one of the things over the last couple of years I've really enjoyed is golf. Um, you know, especially when the weather allows, I golf three or four times a week. Um, every month or two, I'm taking a big golf trip somewhere. I'm trying to uh, become the youngest person to play the top 100 golf courses in the world. So that kind of gets my my travel and my adventure fix. Um, so, you know, when it comes to, to lifestyle design, I've just slowly been figuring out, okay, what do I like? What do I enjoy? How can I help people? And, you know, trying to make, you know, my, my business decisions and my life decisions based around that. And, you know, that's kind of what I, I encourage everybody else to do. And that's why, you know, I sometimes refer to it as the boring way to start a, a lifestyle business where it's like you learn these skills, you freelance, and then you kind of go into the fun stuff later on. Um, but, you know, a lot of people, they just need to make a little bit of extra money. It's like when they've got that extra money, that all of a sudden gives them options. And it's like, oh, now I, I can decide. Maybe I do want to leave my job and continue to grow this business. Or maybe, you know, having this side business just allows me to, you know, have a few of the nicer things that I want. You know, it's all about priorities. You know, people like us, we tend to prioritize travel. Other people, you know, they'd rather have that Ferrari. Um, you know, I kind of look at it now, if that was my sole priority, then I could have it. You know, if that was really all I wanted and I didn't care about the golf or the travel, like I could have my cool sports car. So, you know, I think the, when it all comes down to it, it's just a matter of figuring out and being really honest with yourself, what, what's important to you, what you want to be able to do, and then trying to make decisions based around that. I, I think that's fantastic advice. I, I appreciated before we were talking, uh, before we started recording, anyhow, that you said, hey, you know what gets me up every morning is when I open up my inbox and I find out that I was able to secure a tea time at an exclusive golf course that's really hard to get into and I know that I'm going to go out there and have the, the time of my life and you built another business around that. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about Breaking 80? Yeah. So, um, I've realized a few years ago that, uh, I had this kind of passion for golf and I was like, Hey, it's like, I know internet marketing. I've got the free time. I play a lot of golf. And at the, at the time, and even still to this day, there weren't many good golf websites out there. You know, you've got your like golf.com and golf digest, and there's a handful of them, but a lot of people weren't doing it well. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to create the golf site I wanted to read. So I do, you know, Basically, with every big top course I play, I go and I take a bunch of photographs and I post them and, you know, the Instagram account's been blowing up and that kind of thing. And I do uh, tech reviews. 
Um, so I review the coolest, you know, golf tech gadgets. Um, and so really it was just kind of like, Hey, I've got this interest. I don't have to worry about making money with it right away. Cause money's kind of coming in in the other areas. You know, that's step number two. It's like build up that income, um, and that confidence through freelancing so that, uh, you can go and you can start, you know, the fun stuff. Step number three, without having to worry about monetizing it right away, because a lot of that fun stuff, whether it's e-commerce or a professional blog or an information product or a software as a service app or whatever it is, all of that stuff is going to take time to generate income. So basically, I uh, I had played. It was a course in Central Oregon called Pronghorn, and I went out and played it. And it was the first like really nice golf course I played. And was like, man, this was amazing. I want to do more of this. And so that's when I I decided to start the blog. And it's uh, it's grown into a lot more than that. It's really grown into a community of you know people that love to golf. And I've kind of built up my reputation in that world. And um, you know it's been been fun. And it just kind of goes to show that that's what can happen when you don't have to worry about money. And just worry about building it in the way you think is going to give you the most credibility, um, you know, allow you to grow and allow you to build your reputation without having to, you know, kind of, you know, try and get every dollar you can from every new subscriber that comes in. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And I've, I've heard people say that the more money you have, the more options that you have, which is definitely true in a lot of cases. However, uh, if you are trying to figure out how to best spend your time, well, a lot of people with a lot of money have a lot of overhead and they need more and more cash flow or they have lots of just lots of commitments that they're tied to and that they have to they have to do. So it doesn't matter how much money they have. They need to always be working, etc. So I'm curious, Sean, how you prioritize time management, because it's nice to hear that you spend a lot of time out on the golf course, but you're also able to run two different businesses. Yeah. So what I found is that, like I said, I've kind of built the businesses around the things I like to do. So I make sure that there's always time for that. Um, and you know, what I found is it's not necessarily a matter of putting in more hours. It's just a matter of being smarter with how you do it. So, um, I try and wake up by five 30 or six every morning. I know that I'm going to be most productive in the mornings. Um, once early to mid afternoon hits, then, you know, that's when I might schedule calls like these or just kind of send out emails or go, go meet people in person. Um, because those, those are the time when my creative energy is kind of gone. Um, so understanding that I try and wake up as early as I can and when it allows, and I don't have, you know, too much going on, I try and stop working altogether by noon. Um, that still allows me to get in a solid, like, you know, six hour work day, uh, where I can really bang stuff out. And then the rest of the day it's, you know, you get to go have fun, you know, whether it's meeting cool people or playing golf or, or whatever. Um, you know, I try and schedule my weeks out beforehand. So I'll look at the weather and it's like, okay, these are the three days I want to golf two days. I'll work till noon and head out in the afternoon. And maybe another day I'll say, you know what, this time I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get the first tee time. Uh, in which case I can play in two and a half hours and then I'll just spend the rest of the day working at the golf course. Um, I'll work in the, the clubhouse there and then work for three hours, go out to the driving range, come back, work for another two hours. Um, and so I really just try and, um, you know, kind of prioritize things, um, you know, get things done when I know I'm going to be productive and try not to waste a bunch of time at my computer during the times where I know I'm, I'm not going to be productive. And so far it's, it's worked pretty well. No, that, that sounds really awesome. That sounds like a, uh, a pretty nice life that I think a lot of people would like to, 
to certainly partake in. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious, Sean, about, I, I really like your idea about working from the golf course and then going hitting a bucket of balls to break things up and, uh, you know, get your body moving, get your blood flowing to your brain again and uh, get out of that kind of sedentary lifestyle. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm standing as we speak and, uh, you know, I could just feel that, yeah, I've been sitting a bunch today. So just even doing some twists and, uh, and whatever, just some stretching exercises to keep myself alert and, uh, and on top of my game helps me throughout the workday. But I'm curious how that breaking up your day like that um, works. And it sounds like you have a lot of variety in your week also. Maybe a few days you're playing golf, a couple days you're working from home, maybe you're part of a co-working space or a, uh, you go out to a coffee shop. So I'm curious about what your um, routines and, and strategies look like in that respect. Yeah, I, I wish I could say that I had my my set routine and my morning ritual and everything is exactly the same every day. I think that that would probably help me take my productivity to to another level and make it even and stronger. But really, it's uh, it varies day by day. Um, you know, it depends on whether I'm at home or whether I'm traveling. Um, when I'm traveling, I kind of have to understand. Okay, it's going to be harder to get a little bit of a workout in, so I have to prioritize that. Um, I know that. I'm probably not going to have a lot of time to sit down and be really creative. So when I'm traveling, I'm usually more maintenance mode. Maybe it's just answering emails. It's writing blog posts. It's kind of managing some of the projects we have going on, but I'm not sitting down and creating a, a whole new product or creating a whole new website or, or things like that. Um, you know, so, you know, I kind of try and do, you know, a handful of things. I try and make sure I'm getting some sort of physical activity every day. Um, I try and drink a glass of water when I wake up, which is kind of my, I found drinking a glass of water is my trigger habit. Um, regardless of what my routine is for the day or what I'm doing, um, I know if I can start one healthy habit, it leads to positive changes like throughout the rest of the day. So for me, it's drinking a glass of water. Once I drink a glass of water, it's like, okay, like that was good. Now I'm going to make breakfast and that's another one Then I'm gonna have another glass of water. And then once I've done those things, it's like, man, okay, we're off to a good start. Got to make sure I go to the gym. Once you've done that, then it's like, then everything starts to kind of spill over into business. It's like, man, look at all this stuff I've been killing it with my personal life. Um, you know, now we got to make sure we bang out the business stuff. And especially if it's like, you know, I know if I've got a two o'clock tea time and it's now nine 30 and I need to be at the course by, you know, one It's like, okay, you got four hours, like get it done. Otherwise you can't go golf. You can't do that thing. That's fun. So I think that's kind of a, a key to, uh, having that routine as well is when you schedule something fun later in the day, and you can't do it unless you're productive and unless you get those things done, you're going to work your ass off to make sure that, that you do it. And, and that's been one of the real motivating factors for me. That, that's really awesome. And that kind of goes back to accountability and how you're able to keep yourself accountable and you say, all right, well, if I can't get this work done, I can't go and play golf. And maybe you've called some buddies and you're part of a foursome that day and you don't want to let them down. So you're going to crank it out when, when it needs to get done. Um, and Absolutely. you know, I have, uh, I have the habit of, okay, waking up, not at five 30, that's, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, I wake up at a, a decent hour and try to get stuff done. And like you, I'm very productive until, uh, later in the afternoon where I kind of hit my wall and then I kind of feel what 
feels right for me, what I need to do that day, how my body is feeling, it's usually something active, right? So yesterday uh, I went on a hike out my back door and I knew I had a soccer game later that night. So I wanted to, you know, put my, put my exercise in like that. Or um, today we had a rough soccer game, so I'm pretty banged up. So I'm gonna go to a yoga class or, um, but for example, surfing is something that always gets away from me. I always want to surf, but it, it like golf, you should look at the weather or the tide is always changing, et cetera, et cetera. And so it just needs a little bit of planning. And so what I need to do is sit and say, all right, man, uh, high tide is at one o'clock today and that's when it's gonna be working the best. And if you wanna get out there, you should just shorten your workday so that you can go surf by one o'clock and get up a little bit earlier and, and just plan and prioritize. And that's kind of stuff keeps you accountable. So I, I really appreciate that strategy. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I've been working for myself for six or seven years now and for the first five of them and even still like, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not perfect. It even still creeps in to this day where it's like you can fill out an eight or a 10 hour workday of just sitting at your laptop. It's like I can sit on my laptop and convince myself I'm working for 10 hours, no problem. But the reality is I'm probably only getting, you know, maybe four hours of real work done if I'm lucky. So, so where, you know, I'd rather instead of spending, you know, 10 hours, to, you know, at a computer to get four hours of work done, I'd rather spend, you know, four or five hours there and get a solid three and a half hours of work done um, and really bang it out. So, you know, it's it's just kind of being honest with yourself and I've, I noticed like it's one of the things I do if, if I am having a long day and I find myself sitting at my computer and just wasting time, usually it'll kick in after like five minutes where you're like, wait, what are you doing? You're not being deliberate about anything. That's when it's like, okay, if I can't convince myself, if I can't get into a, a more positive work habit, that's when I get up and go do something else. Maybe you go for a walk, maybe, you know, you go to the gym, whatever, um, but as soon as you find yourself going down that black hole of wasting time on your computer, it's terrible. And because we're trained to think we've got to work for eight hours every single day, um, that's what we do. You know, even if we're not being productive, we'll still sit at our computer. And, you know, so there's certainly times where, you know, I can go have a really productive day and I'll spend 10 hours at the computer and get a bunch of stuff done. But that's pretty rare. So I'd rather take a shorter day and try and be really productive in a shorter burst and then enjoy all that time that I would spend just cruising Facebook or YouTube or something yeah absolutely uh, I, I like how you've yeah I like how you've you've put that together and uh, positive work habits as as you've said um, something I want to ask you actually earlier you mentioned the phrase uh, trigger habit and I don't know if that's something that you just made up off the top of your head but it sounded really good Sean and as a <laughs> uh, as a habit kind of nerd um, as I will refer myself to, uh, refer to myself as I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because I, I like the concept okay you drink that glass of water and that's what you know uh, physically stimulates that mindset that okay now it's time to work or when I have a cup of coffee all right you know the, I just learned that the caffeine doesn't kick in for like 40 minutes <laughs> but I swear as soon as it hits my lips I am ready to roll so I, I'd love to hear more about your trigger habits and how that works totally so I don't know if that's actually a term I coined or if I heard it somewhere else but that's kind of what you know came out I guess own it Sean uh, own it 
that, yeah, there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll both claim that one. Um, the reality is, and I've learned this about myself, is I'm, I'm not a disciplined person by nature. Like, it's really tough for me to sit down and just do the work. Um, and so what I've learned is as I was trying, as I've been on this quest this year to try and become more disciplined, um, you know, with every small win, it kind of builds up every single day. And the more it builds, the more I want to be productive. Um, so kind of learning what, what I call trigger habits, you know, the kind of thing that's like, oh, if you do this one thing, it's going to become easier to do this next thing, which then makes it easier to do the next thing. Um, and so there's a couple of them for me, you know, one of them is drinking that glass of water, um, because I'm not naturally, that's not what I go to when I want something to drink. But when I have one glass, then it's like, okay, I want to make sure I have another glass. Eventually you've had six glasses that day and you're feeling good about yourself. Um, for me, like you just mentioned coffee, uh, coffee is another thing when, um, it really has nothing to do with the caffeine. Caffeine doesn't really have a huge effect on me. Um, so I could drink decaf coffee, but when I sit down and I pour that cup and I have that sip and it's that ritual of, of having it, the smell, the process of drinking it, that's when it's like, all right, it's time to go down, time to go down to work and time to do this. Um, but I think for me, the biggest one has been water, breakfast, exercise. You know, those are, you know, Usually it ends up being in that order as well. Water will lead me to want to make breakfast, a healthy breakfast. Breakfast will lead me to want to go make sure I hit the gym. And going to the gym will in turn make sure that I want to um, keep getting work done in the business. So um, usually like an average day, um, I said I don't generally have routines, but you know, kind of an average day, I have this a couple times a week is drink a glass of water, uh, make my coffee, do some work, drink another glass of water, have breakfast, do another couple hours of work, go to the gym. And then by doing all of those things in the afternoon where I might usually get burnt out, um, having had all of those positive habits that have built up throughout the course of the day, it makes me that much more motivated to want to, you know, continue getting stuff done throughout the rest of the day. So the days where I'm not stopping to work at noon or the days that I'm not going golfing or whatever, and I am working, you know, full eight or 10 hour day. Um, I always try and make sure that I nail those, those first habits because that sets up my success for the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I love, again, I love that term trigger habit. And I also like how you mentioned rituals and that it's just something that you do. Uh, you pour yourself that cup of coffee and I bet however you make it, you make it the exact same way every single time because that's your ritual and you like your coffee. What, I mean, most people usually only like their coffee one way if they're real coffee drinkers, I would say. Um, and I'm curious about your rituals and how they translate to your golf game because if you're a, you know, if you are someone who's played a lot of golf, I bet you step up to the ball the same way every single time and take the same golf swing. So I'm curious uh, how that translates to your athletic performance. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much it actually translates. It's like, yes, I do have my, you know, my kind of swing routine where it's like, okay, you, um, you sit down, you look at the ball, you take, you know, usually for me, it's one practice swing, step back, go to the ball, hit the ball and, you know, rinse and repeat. But, um, I've never, to be honest, ever thought about how some of those original trigger habits, you know, do translate over to the course. Um, a lot of the time those, those two aspects of my day are so, so different. It's like very much like work productivity mode versus, 
um, you know, personal time and relax. And that's kind of golf time. Um, that being said, you know, I have found that, you know, golf, one of the reasons I enjoy it so much is just the fact that I'm able to take time to myself. I'm able to think, and it's also, you know, mentally stimulating every shot. You're trying to think about the best way to get the ball in the hole is in the fewest amount of shots possible and trying to be strategic about it. And I think there's a lot of parallels in business in that way. So, um, so yeah, so I'm not entirely sure how that's translated to athletic performance, but I'm sure there's a translation in there somewhere. Yeah, no, for sure. I, w- I was really referring to that, to that ritual. <clears throat> and when you, when you step up to that ball, that is that you do the same thing probably over and over, take that, yeah. cer- you know, do the certain breathing pattern or um, step over the ball in the same way, do your little waggle maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, whatever. Well, and that, yeah. to, to that point, the more consistent I am with that, the days that I'm really focused on that routine and focusing on every shot, uh, those are the days I play the best. If I'm, uh, if I'm rushed um, or I'm trying to play really quickly, then sometimes I won't do it as much, don't normally play as well. If I'm with a group of guys and we're all like drinking or hanging out um, and I'm not worried about the game as much, then I'm not you know, going through that routine is deliberately not going to play as well. So it's, it's absolutely true. No, that that's awesome. And uh, I'm also glad that you can loosen up a little bit because not everything in your life needs to be so mechanic. You don't have to be a machine. Like I feel like I just try everything in my life. I, I must just be, be, I have to catch myself and be like, all right, you know what? Make your coffee a little differently today because you're getting real boring and you need to change it up a little bit. Or, you you know, we talked about routines a little bit and uh, it's so important to have that variety or, you know, to have a couple beers, uh, <laughs> to have a couple beers. Actually, totally. I, just, I just thought of something. Um, a buddy of mine said, have a have a toke, improve your stroke. I believe it was his uh, was his take on his marijuana usage during <laughs> during his golf game. And uh, no, but I mean, just there's so much to be said about loosening up and uh, being able to have that be your release, so that when you are in the office and you have to crank it out, quote unquote, grind or whatever other buzzwords you want to sound try to yeah. sound tough to do uh you're not out there trying to do that same thing on the golf course and i appreciate that john and i, th- I think you know you can translate that to life in general like you need to like not be so set in your routine that you you can't mix it up and you can't do different things you know i know that for me when you know when i get out of my routine and i take a trip especially if it's to to someplace new or someplace that i haven't been before when i get back from that trip i'm more motivated than ever to get back down to work it's like all right like i was able to have that experience because of um you know the business i've built i want to continue to have more experiences like that so i'm going to i'm going to keep doing it so you know whether it's in just you know your day-to-day life or in a a longer term kind of way where so rather it's whether it's you taking one day off or taking an afternoon off to go do something new or taking a full on new trip somewhere or going someplace new. Um, the more I mix it up like that, the, you know, the more successful the business is, you know, even if it's counterintuitive where it's like, wow, you just took a week off and you're saying that helps your business. It's like, yeah, because for the next two weeks after that, I'm going to be so motivated to get stuff done so that I can take the next one. Um, that it's going to be totally worth it. Absolutely. You, you have to keep it fresh. And during that time is when 
people say, you know, your best ideas come to you when you're in the shower or when you're taking a walk or when you're not stuck behind the computer and when you have some time to rethink everything, uh, that is, that, you know, that's just, that's so valuable where if you're just in the routine, right, no, yeah, sure, people have their creative routines, but creativity is supposed to be this uh, free-flowing, open thing where ideas just kind of come to you and you put it... ...business. Um, but, no, I think that's that's just so so valuable to, to mix it up. So, uh, Sean, that's, that's really cool. Definitely. Sorry, you cut out there for a second. So if I didn't respond, that's why. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I noticed we had a, a brief interruption. Um, Sean, I wanted to I wanted to ask you as we, we kind of get uh, a little bit towards the end uh, of our discussion here. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your epic quest and you talked about uh, having a relationship with Chris Gillibu. If you could maybe mention some of his books that have made an impact on your life. I'm sure, I'm sure that you've read them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, I'm thinking pretty much 99% <laughs> that you've read them. I've read them all. I haven't read the one on the, on the epic quest, uh, but also that you're on an epic quest yourself um, playing these golf courses. So I, I'm curious to hear what you've learned and uh, what we could all take away from that. Yeah. So, so Chris has some great books, you know, his first one was the art of nonconformity, which is kind of a four hour work week style book. You know, if you're just, you know, thinking about getting started or you're just trying to start looking at some of these like alternative ways of living your life or doing business or whatever, I think that's a great starting point. Um, but as far as, you know, my own, you know, my own quest to try and, you know, do some of these things, um, you know, my, uh, my Twitter, you know, byline has been the exact same for like six years and it's, currently doing the things most people just talk about doing. And I think about that often. And That's it's like, awesome. Hey, it's like, am I, am I doing things right now? Or am I talking about doing things right now? Or am I, am I letting myself stagnate? Um, and a lot of times I'll go back to, to that list, um, which I actually need to update. I've got a much more up to date list that I've been keeping myself that I haven't published. Um, but I go back to it and it's like, man, okay, are you making progress on this? Are you, are you doing things? Um, and if I'm not, then I immediately sit down and I make a plan to cross something off the list because, um, you know, when you're, you're not moving forward, you're going backwards. And as cliche as that is, I think there's a lot of truth to it. Um, and I just, I try and surround myself by other people with other people that are, are doers and are, are doing that because they're only going to help enable me to, to reach my goals. So, so it's been fun over the last few years, you know, I've done some really, really cool stuff off the list. Like I, I smoked a cigar in Cuba. Uh, I played Pebble beach golf course this last year, which was pretty cool. Cause I ended up meeting Steph Curry in the process. Um, I drove a Ferrari for the first time recently. Uh, lived on a tropical island. Um, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, I think since I started, I've crossed off somewhere in the neighborhood of like 35 things off a list of around 100. So um, we're moving forward with it. Damn, that's that's really awesome. And again, I love that you have the that public accountability. Your bucket list is right up there uh, for your blog readers who are into, you know, who are, who are really looking to you to, to see what you've crossed off recently. So, so that's awesome, Sean. Um, I, 
Yeah, this is uh, th this has been a really cool conversation. Did you think that you would be on here talking so much about accountability and discipline and creating positive work habits? No, I, you, you never know what to expect. And I, I think that's one of the fun things, especially catching up with someone like you where we've known each other for a long time. And it's it's really just having a conversation and seeing where it goes and seeing where it leads. Because, you know, I like to think that I've, I've done some interesting things and really, you know, everything I'm doing is just to, you know, help other people do the same thing and I'll continue to be able to do cool stuff myself. So hopefully this conversation, you know, whether it's, you know, actionable things people can apply to their own life or just inspires them to, uh, you know, kind of make a change or do something a little bit different. Hopefully, hopefully everybody listening gets something out of this. That is, that is killer. And, uh, Sean, if, if you could leave everybody with a little piece of advice, if they wanted to, uh, go out and do what it says in your Twitter byline and go and do the things that most people only talk about doing. How, how can they get started? Um, well, one of the things I think you need to ask yourself this question is what's the absolute worst that can happen and what are the odds of that worst thing actually happening? Um, chances are worst case scenario is not that bad. And also the chances are the worst case scenario actually happening, the chances are probably slim to none. And Tim Ferriss had a quote a while back where he said, most people will choose unhappiness over uncertainty. And I think that's absolutely 100% true. I think that more people are afraid of the uncertainty around what's going to happen. And they're like, you know what? I'm not willing to take that risk. My life is, it's okay. It's not bad. It's comfortable. Um, but the thought of actually going out there and getting the life that I really want and doing all of those other things, you know, there's a little bit of risk involved and that's scary to me. So I'd rather just, you know, stick with, uh, unhappy or moderately happy rather than face that uncertainty. And so if there's one piece of advice I can give is embrace that uncertainty. Um, you know, that's where a lot of entrepreneurs thrive when nobody knows what's going to happen. You can make anything you want happen. And, uh, you know, so if you, you know, for 95% of people, uncertainty is this huge debilitating thing. And then for the other 5%, they turn it into their greatest asset. So just keep that in mind. And remember the worst case scenario, probably not going to happen. And if you've decided, you know, in your mind what that is, then that at least gives you a frame of reference with which to act upon. Sean Ogle, it has been a pleasure. This is uh, just uh, so many awesome little quotables and takeaways from this. I uh, want to let everybody know where you can be found, of course, at your blog, location 180, that's 180.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and then you have your golf site, breaking80.com, and 80 is spelled out, so breaking, E-I-G-H-T-Y.com. And uh, I, I would highly suggest anybody who wants to get involved in your Location Rebel project, uh, just go out and, and check it out. I, I really do think that it's so important. After all we've talked about today, about accountability, about discipline. Uh, I, I think it would be really cool for some of our listeners to, to get involved and, uh, and check out your community. Sean, this, is, this has been awesome. 
Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you having me. And if, if anyone's listening to this and you're like, you know, it raised questions or there's anything you want to ask me, I'm super responsive. So just shoot me an email, uh, Sean at SeanOgle.com, S-E-A-N-O-G-L-E. Um, and I'd, I'd love to, to help out however I can. And Matt, it's been, been a pleasure as always. I'm glad we finally were able to make this happen. Absolutely. Well, uh, I don't know how many good golf courses there are in Central America, but if you were down my way, definitely, definitely let me know. 100%. I know there's at least a few. Hey, did you like today's episode? If you did, log on to iTunes and leave us a review. It would really help us out. We try to put out good, free content all of the time. Check out the show notes on under30co.com. Send the podcast to a friend who could use some of the advice. And of course, if you want to travel with us, check out under30experiences.com and 50% off Athletic Greens on the show notes. Thanks for listening.